going to let the church stand up and let's read the Word of God together in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 14, 15, 16, our thematic passage for the year, talking about the community of the church, and we're building together uh, one common family. 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, and reading verses 14, 15, and 16. You read all of it with me today as we read aloud together, and let's read it together now. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Father, I pray in these moments now that you would speak to us. I pray, God, you would speak through us and that you would say a good word to us. I pray, Lord, that you'd build your church. Those that are not of the church today lost without hope, save them and add them. For those, Father, that are floundering, walking in fear, give them a sure foundation this day of repentance. Lord, do a good work among us this day, I pray. And we submit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And be seated, please. Corey Ten Boom had a prophetic voice. And Corey said these words Be united with other Christians. A wall with loose bricks is not good. The bricks must be cemented together. Well, I brought a brick today. We're living stones. Just being by yourself is not a good thing. Those bricks must be cemented together to become a wall, a structure, the strength, the church of Almighty God. Paul in our passage speaks of the household of God with pillars and a foundation, a building project, if you will, a construction project. God is always at work on the church construction site. He's always constructing His church. And today I want us to think with that in mind of this community that God's building and the construction that He is doing to make His church the church that He wants it to be. I want to show you three simple truths out of this text, then bring it to application, then invite you to come and give your heart and life to Christ. You've never been saved, come today. If you've never joined this church, come be a part. If you're here and ought to be a part of the wall called Olive, then you come and you Put your life with ours and ours with yours, and we'll together be the church of the living God. Look with me first at what I call the owner, the owner 
of the church. Paul, Paul is writing to young Timothy. He's the pastor at Ephesus. And he says to him, in case I'm delayed from coming, I'm writing so you'll know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. God's house, not my house. I don't own the church. You don't own the church. It's God's church. It's God's household. He's the architect, Ephesians 5.23 says. He's the head of the church. Therefore, the plans that are laid come from the head. And he is the thinker. He is the mindset. He is the architect. He is the one giving us direction. He's not only the architect, he's the builder. In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said about the church, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not only is he the architect, not only is he the builder, he resides in his church. Matthew 18 and verse number 20 says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. If we've got two or three gathered in Jesus' name today, I'm telling you, he is here among us. He is the architect. He is the builder. He resides there. He provides for the church. The church needs milk and meat in order to grow. It needs to be fed. And our milk and our meat, not from man, they come from God. This is the milk of the Word, the meat of the Word. And God gives us his Word, and that's how he provides for his church. That's the strength the nutrition, if you will, that we have in the church coming from God himself. He is the architect. He is the builder. He resides here. He provides for it. And he is honored and he rules in his church. Now, there's something about the person in charge of an organization. Oftentimes, it is said it's hard to get to that person. If you're a part of an organization, it's not always easy to get to that person who rules and who's honored and who's the head. Well, I got good news for you when it comes to the church. Every member of the church has 24-7 access to the owner. You can know him. You can speak to him. You can call out to him. Uh, there have been times down through the years as our church has grown and gotten larger uh, that people say, you know, Pastor, it's not always easy to get to see you. Well, it's, you know, there's only so many hours in the day for every one of us, and we understand that, and we can't do everything. But uh, when it comes to the Lord, you have access. Call out to it. I never forget the lady. They've been a member of this church. I don't know. She's probably been a member here 50 years. And she was getting toward the end of life. And uh, she was in the hospital, very sick. I remember I, I went to see her. I, I walked in the door. And as I walked in, she sat up in the bed and she hollered out. She said, My God, how sick am I? <laughs> I said, Let me tell you, you're so bad they sent the A team to see you. That's what I told her that day. And, uh, we laughed. Little did I know the week could not be gone till she'd be with the Lord in heaven. And she was indeed uh, sick. We laughed together uh, that day uh, about that. You, you can't always see everybody you want to know, but let me tell you, you can see the most important person you ever need to see, and that's King Jesus. We are to be living stones. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5, 
you also as living stones, you are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are living stones. Now, let me tell you, everybody in this room, you're either a dead rock or a living stone, one of the two. Don't be a dead weight. Don't be a dead rock. Be a living stone. It's, it's really an unusual illustration that he uses. I, I brought a brick with me today. Living? No. Heartbeat? Pulse? No. You'd think it's just a dead rock. But the Scripture uses this illustration that God takes us and literally makes us alive. And we become a breathing, living stone with with a heartbeat because there is work to do that God calls us to do which one are you dead rock living stone he has called us as living stones to be built up in a spiritual house and be a holy priesthood that we offer up sacrifices that are spiritual acceptable to God through Jesus Christ that God would build his house and he'd use you and add you at the end of this service today if you've never been a part of the Lord or of his church I'm going to invite you to come and say yes to Christ right here go out there in the foyer to those next step tables and speak to someone uh, about knowing the Lord and add yourself to this church and be cemented together as the wall of God in this place. The owner of the church. He's the owner because he paid for it. He bought the church with his own precious blood at Calvary and he has purchased us with the only price that could be given from heaven. And so I encourage you today, understand who the owner is. You don't own it. I don't own it. Jesus owns his church. Second, Not only see the owner of the church, but see the objects in the church. Notice in verse 15, he says, You ought to know how to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of truth. That word support could be foundation, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, when he spoke to this church in Ephesus about the pillar, they understood pillars because the temple of Diana, that goddess in Ephesus, there was the temple to Diana, and in that temple around there were 127, 127 pillars in that structure. Each one of them was a gift given by a pagan king. Each of those pillars overlaid with gold and bejeweled as they would be brilliant when light would hit them and refract those colors. Those 127 pillars held up the roof of that temple of the goddess Diana in Ephesus. There are pillars in this building. There's one, two, three, four, five, six right there. You see them in the back. Those of you that sit in the balcony today, you're grateful for those pillars. Because if those pillars were not holding up that balcony, you'd be sitting down here where we are. You come crashing down. 
Uh, there are pillars that are around here. You see those that are up here. I remember when we built this building, those uh, huge, huge metal pillars that go up. And coming out of that, where you see the structure running out, uh, there are long arms that support the roof uh, of this building. And you see it running back to those two pillars that are uh, up in the balcony. And it holds up and sustains. Well, he, he says about the church, we are to be pillars. Pillars of what? Pillars of truth. We hold the truth. But not only pillars, but foundation stones. These, all of these bricks, we come and we are laid on top of. We're not the foundation. He's the foundation. But we are built upon that foundation to become the church of the living God. We are to be pillars. We, we are to be set on that foundation stone. So we do what? We hold up truth. These people in Ephesus knew not only pillars because of the temple of the goddess Diana, they, they knew their Old Testament. And in the temple, when Moses gave the structure of it, as you came up to the front, there were two pillars, two pillars in front of the temple. You find it in 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 21. They were both named, and he set up pillars on the porch of the nave. And he set up the right pillar, named it Jachin. He set up the left pillar and named it Boaz. As you walked up to the front of the temple, there were the pillars, Jachin and Boaz. Jachin and Boaz. There they held up the roof of that temple. Jachin. He establishes Boaz. In him is strength, the establishment of God, the strength of Almighty God. They knew what pillars were for. That they were to hold up the truth. Well, so are we in this community in which we live. There is in the church pillars and foundation. We have a support structure. Someone must lift up truth in this community. A friend, the church is eternal. It's not going anywhere. Now, Olive may one day not exist. Churches do die. Local churches die. Local churches can die if they lose their firm foundation. You move off the foundation of the truth of God and the church will die. But God will always have his people. He'll always have a church because he's building the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and the church will be eternal and it's going to be here when Jesus comes again. I pray this church never moves away uh, from its eternal truth and structure and stays firm on the foundation of the Word of God, holding up truth in the community. We see the objects in the church. We see the owner of the church and then we see the orthodoxy that is the church. Notice it in verse 15. The church of the living God, the pillar and the support of, what's that word? You're just as cold as that first crowd. They sat in here about to freeze to death, all wadded up, couldn't get them to open their Bible, let alone open their mouth. It's the pillar and the foundation, the support of what? Truth. Truth. Aletheia. That's our word. Truth. The church is to be that that holds forth the truth. The truth. 
we ever stop being a trumpet for the truth, then we'll find our communities and our nations dying. Our mission is to hold up God's truth. The Bible says that Christ is truth. The gospel is the truth, according to Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 5. We are to speak the truth in love, according to Ephesians 4 and verse 15. We are not to exchange the truth for a lie as they did in Romans chapter 1 verse 25 as Paul exhorted them. And then we know that the Bible is the word of truth according to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Truth, 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 truth. We are to support truth. I want to make three statements this morning that I believe true, and our job is to ever hold up truth. Today is in the evangelical church what we call the Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, the reason being is that this is the most, uh, uh, this is the weekend closest to uh, that Roe versus Wade uh, godless decision that made abortion legal in America. You know, there are really only eight nations in the world who have abortion laws liberal as ours. We must stand for truth. First of all, on this Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, understand the aborting of a baby is murder. There shouldn't be a safer place in all the world than the womb of a mother. You say, well, pastor, it's really, no, listen, if, if you can and you can now, go inside the womb and do heart surgery on a baby. And it's done routinely. That, my friend, is a viable individual. I have no doubt that people who listen online today and in this room and other places, there have been those practicing this. God is a God of grace. If you've walked down that line, I'm telling you, repent. God comes to you. He loves you. Well, I'm not here to condemn you. I, I am here to stand against that act of abortion today. It is our job as a church to hold up like pillars of truth the sanctity of the human life. A child should be safe not only in the womb, the child should be safe in this room. Because life is sacred. Oh, it's a tough day, but we are getting a little good news out of the possibility of even turning Roe Wade. You need to pray for the Supreme Court and decisions being made, uh, for deliberation, for attorneys making appeals. You know, when bad legislation is made can be fixed 
can be turned. We've seen that happen in our nation. I pray unto God it would happen again. But we must stand with the sanctity of life. Abortion is the murder of a baby. Secondly, on the Sanctity of Life Sunday, teaching that one's gender is not assigned at birth is foolishness. And God created them male and female. I am a high school graduate. I'm a junior college graduate. I'm a university graduate with a religion degree and a biology minor. I'm a seminary degree person with a master's in theology and a doctoral degree in ministry. It's easy to tell the difference in a boy and a girl. I've been to school. It, it's not rocket science. It's science. It's anatomy. And from everywhere I've ever been, I've been taught by brilliant Christians. I've been taught by atheists in a science lab. And they would all point to me male and female. When I was given that chinchilla to dissect as a junior in a lab, in college, I was the only one to receive a chinchilla that when we opened it, it was discovered to be pregnant. I don't know what the plural of chinchilla is. Chinchilla, chinchillises. All I can tell you is there's a bunch of them in there. And no one thought that that was a male that I opened up. It was a female. You didn't even have to open it up to know. But for the world to know when I took my scalpel and did that, yes, indeed. Dear friend, it is foolishness to say that gender is not assigned at birth. We have reveals today. Isn't that a weirdness? That's, that's just a funny thing to me. I, I don't know. Seems like it's fun when they do it. And it's another way of doing life. But you're either 
pink or blue? Hey, church, listen to me. These are real arguments that we have to make in our culture. If we don't, we, we confuse our children. And we take the stand because of truth and of the sanctity of life. And then thirdly, on this sanctity of life Sunday, sexual abuse by religious leaders is hellish behavior. Any person who would allow the church to lay hands on them and set them aside for ministry and then use their position to lay their hands on someone in an abusive way. May God be merciful. My mother, when she was in her right mind, would have said, anybody who would do that, I would not walk in their shoes for their song. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but it ain't good. Okay? It, it, it's not good. <laughs> I cannot help but think in my own heart any religious person or church person, church member, Who would abuse someone sexually? Somehow I just believe there is one of the hottest corners in judgment waiting for them. I was just a kid preacher. And I went to a meeting where Evie Hill was the guest. Oh, what a preacher. For years, because he was a black gentleman, he would not be invited to come to some of our gatherings in predominantly white circles. But thank God we got past that. And Dr. Hill became one of the most popular preachers ever in circles where I was trained. One afternoon we had a Q&A with Dr. Hill. And someone asked him if there was in the church where he pastored in Los Angeles, if there was ever any sexual abuse among the members. He said, well, yes, we have to deal with it. And we asked him, how, how do you deal with it? He said, we have a committee of three big men. He said, if it is evidenced that that is occurring, those three men go see the brother. 
And if he repents, we do all we can to help him. But if he doesn't repent and we see it a second time, we then take action. Somebody said, what action? He said, we take him out behind the building and beat the hell out of him. (laughs) He said, normally that cures the problem. Now, I am not advocating that today at all. But I am advocating that we deal with that issue when it arises. And that it not be glossed over. but that it be dealt with. I'm not sure the committee of three is the most biblical way to do it. But there is a way given in Matthew 18 that we go by one, we go with the group, and then bring it to the church. We we must hold life sacred. And we cannot allow abuse within the ranks of the beloved to go unchecked. Now, lest you think there's an issue, no. Uh, I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world if I knew of it and get up and preach. We want about it and not have dealt with it. Nothing pending that I'm aware of within the ranks of Olive. Just a word of the pillar lifting up truth of saying this must be if we're going to be God's people as we walk forward. Paul is saying, I'm going to teach you how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth. I have a rock garden at my house. It has seven stones in it. One of them looks like this. Those stones that are there, there are seven. There are two that the church has given me. One, when Johnny Newton was our deacon chairman years ago on one of my anniversaries, he presented me with a small cornerstone, and I have it there with my initials. When we tore down Russo Hall, I got a brick out of Russo Hall, uh, or excuse me, not Russo Hall, but the old white building out behind it, and I took that in memory of where we came from. There are two stones there that 25 years ago, two men went to North Alabama and brought back to me that literally changed my life, changed the trajectory of ministry for me. And those stones are there. I'll preach about that on the 15th day of May this year again, having a conference about it. In the middle of that little rock formation, there's a brick that was just added. It's the latest stone from my daddy's store when they tore it down the father of one of our new deacons who lives there went over and got one of those bricks and mailed it to me 
I'd never had a brick mailed to me before. Never had one thrown through my window either, so praise the Lord. But uh, I had no idea what was coming in that box, but I, I'm so grateful to have it. It's just a memory stone of where I grew up. And then there are two large stones, like this, this high. I can barely pick them up. The first large stone is from the river bottom, the creek bottom that runs out beside my house. It is the foundation reminder of where I live and where God grew me up in ministry. The other one, which is the same size, is a darker stone, and it comes from my great-granddaddy's fireplace. When my great-grandfather's house was torn down, my father got rocks out of the fireplace, those huge stones, and brought them and put them around his flower beds. And when I sold my father's house a few years ago now, I took one of those stones because I knew where it was from, and I said, I will remember my heritage. And one day when my children and my children's children and my children's children's children, if I live that long, ask me, what meaneth these stones? I've got a story about every one of them. They are memorials. Well, I think Paul is using this living stone as a memorial illustration that you once were just a dead rock and God touched you and He put you into the wall of the church and you became a living stone cemented together with others, growing up the church of the living God, supporting the truth, resting on the foundation, and being the people of God in a community where He has placed you. Are you a living stone today? If you're not a living stone, I'm going to encourage you that you come to faith in Christ. Now listen to me, I'm not stupid. That can be debated by some. It's an old cold morning. 99% of people came to church today come because they already are part of the church. They are here and they love the Lord. Numbers down a little because it's cold, tough day. Hey, if you think it's tough here, you ought to be in Middle Tennessee going to church today. You ought to be in Ohio Valley. And you ought to be on the mountain at Pisgah. I, I, got a, I got a text from a friend of mine between services showing me the creek. It runs out behind the house where that stone was. There's snow all over the ground, a little creek about to freeze up. I said, thank God I'm living in fake Florida today. I'm glad to be here. Amen. Real Florida is where Mickey Mouse is, but I like fake Florida up here. <laughs> Not cold as it is north. I realize it's a chilly morning. People don't want to move. But let me tell you, when God calls, you move then. If the Spirit of God's moving in your soul, you need to come say yes to Jesus today. If you're here and you're not a part of the church, what a great day to come and 
link your life with the church. Uh, the biggest reason I started that deal out there in the foyer for people to go to is people will come in, you know, Pastor, there's so many people. Well, today's a good day to join. There's not so many people in here. Amen. God calls you, woos you. You ought to come if there's one, come if there's 10,000. And say, I'm ready for God to place me as a living stone within the body life of this church, building the wall that God has called us to build right here in this place. He is the owner. Amen. There are objects, the pillar and the foundation. And our orthodoxy is the truth of the living God. We'll look at that 16th verse that will enumerate all that Christ is next Sunday. Today, he's building truth in your life and in mine. The truth is this, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And anyone who would repent ought to be baptized. And after you're baptized, you ought to be a part of the local church. If God's calling you, then you ought to come this day right here to this place. I'm going to ask you to do this without anybody going to the door. I'm going to ask you to stand. As you stand, you're quietly bowing your head. I'm praying. And as I pray, John's playing. And after I say amen, he'll begin to sing and God's calling. And you come. You come. You come. Out of that balcony around. Take you just a moment. You come and be right here in this place saying yes unto King Jesus. Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for the gospel. I pray we'd be found faithful with it in days to come. Lord, build your church. Build your church. Build your church, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.